The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Sun is shining, not a cloud in the sky, and it's another beautiful day here in Auburn, Alabama. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader for On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Carter Happy birthday, my man. It is Thursday, October 27th. Happy birthday, brother. Appreciate that. Thank you. So what is, what's, on, what's on the schedule for tonight, man? It's your birthday. Where are you going? What are you doing? What, what you got going on? Uh, dinner with the family. That's, that's the uh, plan. Kind of got all my, my other work done and tied up. And uh, now going to uh, enjoy the, my night tonight and then the rest of the weekend after that there you go man well look happy birthday man it's uh it's always a fun time being able to celebrate especially with your family coming down so i know you guys will enjoy that but we've got a lot to get to today here on the show uh we're going to talk some more auburn football we're going to start looking at the games coming up this weekend around the sec and in college football we're also going to talk with chris gordy host of the locked on sec podcast in hour number two like we always do uh, we, we really enjoy having him on. So that will be at 3.30. And if you were here yesterday at the end of the show, I made the announcement that uh, we will have a very, very special guest in the studio tomorrow. Tomorrow at the start of the show on Friday from 2 to 2.30, Jeff Perlman will be joining us in studio. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and his brand new book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson, it is out now. You can buy it uh, in the bookstores, on Amazon, pretty much wherever you can buy a book, you can get this thing. And look, we got, he sent us a couple copies, and this thing is really, really nice. It looks very sharp. Uh, it's got a lot of pages, so it'll take you a little bit to get through it, but there's going to be some really really good juicy information in here about Bo Jackson in a good way right it's, it's yeah, talking I, about Bo and and trying to give you a perspective of of maybe the sides and the things that you've never heard of about Bo Jackson yeah I think it's going to be a phenomenal book I'm very excited the uh just looking at it, it it's a really big book you've got the uh You've got the really cool, I always love when you have like a biography like this and you get the cool pictures in the middle. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I, I love lo- looking at those, kind of chronicling uh, Bo Jackson's athletic career. I think this this may end up being the most complete Bo Jackson biography. Uh, I know that 
Jeff Perlman put a lot of work into it. I've listened to him talk about the book a little bit already and excited to talk with him about it tomorrow. Yep, he will be in studio with us again. Jeff Perlman, New York Times bestselling author, his brand new book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. He will be in studio with us tomorrow uh, for the first half hour talking about this book, telling us stories, why he wrote it, and just the, the process that it was for him to write this. So we are really, really excited to have him coming in studio. He's also doing a book signing tomorrow evening here in Auburn so we were able to 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 get a few minutes of his time and he's going to stop by here tomorrow so we are really really looking forward to that he talked to over 700 people for this book uh for sources references all of that over 700 people gave information that he put in this book so it took him some time but I think it's going to be a really good one. So we highly recommend that you go and pick this up. We have um, started reading it a little bit, obviously uh, nowhere near being done, but excited to get through and and learn some new things about Bo Jackson, who is one of the best athletes of all time. Of course, he's one of the biggest Auburn names of all time. So really excited for that. And again, Jeff Perlman, the author of The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. He will be in studio tomorrow to start the show. So we are excited for that. But Let's get into the topic of conversation. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We talked yesterday about the news coming out about Brian Harson and guys not wanting to play uh, for him or play this season, and he basically said, okay, if you're not going to play, then you got to go, right? And we talked about the different sides of this situation, how if you're looking at it from the player's perspective, you kind of understand. But at the same time, if you look at it from Brian Harson's perspective, you can kind of understand as well. It's not a pretty scene right now in Auburn. And so really the question now becomes, what's next for Auburn football? Because you've got a game to play in two days against Arkansas at 11 a.m. in your place. How do you get up and get ready for this game? What does Auburn need to do as a program, as a university? I think there's a lot of answers here, and something has got to be done because it just keeps bad news after bad news after bad news for Auburn, and yet you've got a game to play in two days. Yeah, I think that you. this game dictates really everything from for for the rest of the year you have to win this this game in my mind in order to to make it to a bowl game i i mean i think you because i think at mississippi state's a really tough test i think texas a&m it's not going to be an easy out i mean even western kentucky can be a tough one i think you you this is a almost must win win performance for, for Auburn on Saturday. And can this team, coming off a bye week, kind of rally together and put forth a performance that is indicative of that? Yeah, and I just don't... When you look at this game, I mean, it's really, really hard for me to to put myself in this situation because think about what's going on right now, right? You've got a team that seems to be almost crumbling around themselves because there's guys that aren't wanting to play there's guys that are being told they're not going to play and then there's guys being told that hey you got to go and there's a coach that says hey we need you because we're coming down the stretch and we're not winning football games and there's also a head coach that has probably seen the writing on the wall that he's not going to be here in a few weeks and 
if you're a team, if you're a player or a coach inside this Auburn football team in locker room right now, how do you get up and get ready for Saturday? How do you get up and go to practice every day right now and have a positive attitude about it? It would be really, really easy to be very negative, very down, very unmotivated to go out and play. How do you do that? It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard with the way that the season had the trajectory has pretty severely changed from uh from the the what from really the the Missouri game really the Penn State game on everything there was a lot of hope going into Penn State you get throttled in that game then you stumble into a win against Missouri and it just has not we have not seen a complete performance by Auburn since week one I mean it's it's where's this team at mentally I think that's going to be the biggest question going into this this game on Saturday also where's the fan base at mentally like I'm hearing rumors about a lot of a lot of uh empty hotel rooms in town and for an 11 a.m kick you're already three and four what does the crowd look like in Jordan-Hare Stadium? And what's the energy like in the stadium on Saturday? Yeah, that's a question that we pondered is what will the stands look like Saturday morning at 11 a.m. where we've seen it has been a struggle at times for not just Auburn fans, but for college football fans to get up and go to an 11 a.m. kick unless it is a just a massive big game, right? Like a the, the big noon kickoff or something, right? We've seen... We've seen it struggle at times for fans to show up for 11 a.m. kicks. And now do you not only have an 11 a.m. kickoff, you've got a game between two programs that are really going the wrong way. Arkansas had high expectations. Uh, maybe some people would say too high expectations. And they've kind of lost a couple of games. Well, not kind of. They've lost a couple of games that they should have won. They're sitting at 4-3. and three. Auburn's 3-4. Three and four. They've lost three in a row. But they're coming off the bye week. And I think that is what you've got to be able to use in your favor is use the bye week to come off and almost reset. But the problem with that is is you're coming out of the bye week, and then this news comes out about Brian Harson and the team and players pretty much just banging heads and just clashing because the, some guys don't want to play and they want to save their year, and you understand that. But mm-hmm. Brian Harson's also going to him and say, look, we need you to play. We got a game on Saturday, and I need you. And the players, are, some of them are saying, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think that there's a fine line here. I understand what all is taking place with that, but at the same time, if if a player is not being, and I come back to it, if a player is not really being used, it's I have a hard time forcing them to be active to play a couple snaps or a handful of snaps and ruin a season that they could get back. Now, at the same time, I absolutely understand the perspective of you're a coach and you ask a healthy guy, you're like, hey, I need you to play. And if he says no, then like, yeah, then you shouldn't, I guess, be a part of the team or whatever. But it's there's a fine line here, and I'm not sure how how Auburn is going to navigate it. There's rumors of more players transferring slash leaving the team. Um, 
all all in all, it just sounds like it's not a great environment in that locker room right now. And how does that manifest itself on the field on Saturday? No, I agree. And I think with with like you were talking about, with with more reports and rumors and probably will be results of guys transferring, leaving, not playing. I mean, you look at this as as what does Auburn do, right? And I think this sort of goes into the conversation that we were having a few weeks ago about if Brian Harson would have been fired, we would start seeing guys get some playing time that maybe didn't originally get some playing time. Maybe that happens here, right? But you look at a guy like Landon King, he had one catch this season. So are you really going to miss him? realistically no because he hadn't been playing you will miss him down the road because he's a really good player I think but in the in the name of this season you're not really going to miss him on the field because he hasn't been playing and that's what we've kind of been talking about is some of these guys that we heard so much about in spring and in fall they're not getting the action here in the season yeah and that's and that's the part that concerns me and I know what that that is what has um, Auburn fans, some of them, up in arms about what's happening right now, is some of these instances are decisions to to squeeze a player out. Um, to squeeze a player out, it affects the future roster, the 2023, the 2024 team. And for a lot of Auburn fans... It's hard to swallow that when you look at Brian Harson and realize more than likely, like what, 99.9% chance Brian Harson's not the coach of Auburn in 2023 or 2024. So these decisions are being made by a coach who may not be there to, he's sowing the seeds, but he may not be there to reap what happens on the other side. I think this is a, leg- a legitimate question. Is Are these actions of Brian Harson? are these actions of a coach who knows he's on the way out, or are these actions of a coach who's trying to save his job? Because I think you can make arguments for both. Honestly, if you want my just my honest opinion, I think he's making these actions to try and save his job. I really do, because I look at it from his perspective of Brian Harson, and I started thinking about this a little bit more yesterday uh, after we got off the air and thinking about it, talking with some people. You know, when we talked to Bill Cameron, uh, the host of The Drive, in between our show and, and The Drive yesterday, and him talking about if a coach comes to a player and says, hey, I need you to play, and the player says, no, I don't want to, well, then what's he supposed to do, right? I exactly. see that I, argument. I, and so I think these actions from Brian Harson are they the best way to handle it? No, probably not. But if you put yourselves in his shoes, I really do think he's trying to, to save his job and do what's best for the team to try and win football games. Now, we've sat here and talked about the things that they're not doing correctly and that they need to be doing to try to win, and there's a lot of things he's done wrong. But I don't think that he's that Brian Harson's walking into the locker room and saying, look, guys, I'm on my way out, so we're just going to light the whole place on fire as we do so. I just don't feel like that's what's happening. I, I understand. I, I feel like this is a this is my program. This is how I'm going to run the program. And he's in charge of the program right now. And Auburn has left him in charge. So there's really no one to blame but Auburn for this happening right now. But 
if you're looking long term at all, if you're Brian Harson, it's to me, I would look at it like, okay, I I won't have this guy this year. But if I'm going to survive, I gotta be able to to survive next year. And if and if guys are getting squeezed out left and right, I mean you're at four this week. You might be at more by the end of the week or by the end of next week. You might be at five, six, seven, eight. I mean, it, I don't. It may not be long before you're at double digits. And that the transfer portal hasn't even opened. Like I, I don't see a path where this gets better under Brian Harson. And I feel like if he were to, if he believes there's a chance to save his job, I feel like this may be the immediate right thing to do in terms of like, well, you can't be around the team, but the, for the long-term future of his program, it's I, I, I struggle to see the positives because what happens in 2023, if you survive, if you have 60 scholarship players, then, then we're talking about a year that truly has the ability to crater in on itself. And to build on that, he has not proven that he can go out and get recruits. He hasn't proven he can go out and get big numbers in the transfer portal. So if you do have 60 scholarship players, Brian Harson hasn't proved that he can add to that through the resources that they have and through the, the, the channels that you're supposed to use. And that is why this is such a big deal. If Brian Harson had proved that he can go in the portal and get big names and go on the recruiting trail and get guys and, in, and that these are the actions he's taking and telling guys, look, if you don't want to play, then get out. I'm just going to replace you with somebody else. Then you can maybe understand where he's coming from. But you're telling guys to leave that don't want to play. That's fine. But you've got nobody to back them up. What, what I'd be interested to, to discuss is do more players hit the portal because of a Brian Harson firing, or do more players hit the portal if you retain Brian Harson for 2023? I think that's a really fair question. I think it is too. I think it is too. Interesting. So, so you're saying would more players transfer? Like, would you would you almost kind of stem the bleeding and be able to to salvage some of these guys who may have one foot out the door if you made a move? Would you be able to salvage more guys doing that, or would you lose more more guys? Or like, would you would more guys stay if Brian Harson came back in twenty three? I think just initial answer. I think more guy. You would probably save more bodies if you were to let him go rather than keep him. That's that's what I believe. Too. I think that's probably where that would go, just based off the response we've seen from guys that are transferring right now, because he is still there. we got to get to a break. Uh, we'll talk about this more uh, as we go on through the show. We'd love for you to call in and be a part of it. 334-321-1390. Question of the day. We're going to talk more about uh, Mr. Bo Jackson and Jeff Perlman and his new book coming out, or that it's already out. It is The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. We'll talk about that question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
question of the day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7. Before we get to that, we do have a caller, so we are going to get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Good afternoon, guys. Terry, how are you? Great. I'm doing well. Carter, great question, but I've got to chastise you on your birthday a little bit. Brian Harson ain't coming back. I don't care what he does. He ain't coming back. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, I agree with you, but I just felt like it was like kind of keeping him as head coach. And the well, thought process I have heard is that, well, if you fire him, then the transfer portal window opens immediately. So then my thought went to, well, would firing Brian Harson now keep more people from declaring because there are rumors of more players declaring that they are stepping away from the team or inter, or declaring their intentions to enter the portal would firing Brian Harson now save more people going to the portal portal than keeping him around through say the Iron Bowl oh put me in the camp for keeping him but I think keeping him would I also think that the thing that scares me most is to keep him he it's a possibility he could lose the team completely I think he's lost aspects of it already. Oh, I think that's a hundred percent. I think he's probably closer to that than than we we realize, Terry. I'd be honest with yeah. I'll be honest with you. What are five games left? Yep. So, I mean, you, you know, you hope to be Western Kentucky, and that's about it. Uh, you just hope to be competitive. But I think if you, I think if you keep him, there's less chance of that. I think he loses the team. I, re- I think he loses it completely. Because mm-hmm. certain certain kids, a group of kids, came back for this year. Um, the tight end, I can't Shanker and some of the offensive linemen who are so pathetic. They came back for their their COVID year. They exercised their right. They could have left and went somewhere else or did something. I don't know, but they came back for this monstrosity, this disaster, this so, hypocrisy. My question for you is how how many of those guys came back for Brian Harson, or how many of those guys came back for like NIL purposes or what what have you? Well, I kept hearing, uh, as you guys did too, how much the players like Brian Harson. I don't believe that for a minute. Um, I, I've I'm never with you. believed that. I'm with and you. They said, "Oh, they like Brian." No, no, they really don't. They may like some things, but they don't like him. I just don't believe, and I don't think he likes Auburn at all. And I and think I that's just, fair. I, I think he had dollar signs in his eyes, and he saw the big time. He said, "I'm out here, boys. Let me try it in the Southeastern Conference. I think I can do this." <laughs> it's starting. Because, it's starting to look more that way, just because of how it's gone down. And, well, and, and I think he tried to, to to airlift the Boise model into Auburn, Alabama, into the SEC West. No, and 100%. That doesn't fly. That's not, that doesn't work in this part of the country. You, you've got to be on the, on the re- recruiting trail day and night talking to kids whenever you're away from the practice field or the football field on game day. And it doesn't help, uh, Jacob and Carter, when you run off your best receiver from last year and your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's that fair. Yeah, that's so, fair. I wish people realize all these things. There's so many little things. It's hard for me to imagine anybody defending him at all. Now, I know I've been a harsh critic from the get-go. I didn't like him when he got hired because I thought, well, Alan Green went 3,000 miles to hire a football coach. <laughs> he wasn't the best. He was just the first guy to say yes. Terry, I said it over and over again. Terry, when you saw the players that spoke out in support of Brian Harson this past offseason – my question is, and I want to hear what, what your thoughts are, when I heard people citing that as, as evidence of the support he had in the locker room, my response was, well, what are they supposed to say? Like, if these, are guys, if these are guys that are going to be on the roster, there's no upside to saying some, something negative. 
if he is retained as head coach. You could also just there's, say nothing. There's only positives just coming out in support of your head coach. Is that is what are your thoughts on that? I, I likened it to pro professional wrestling. The guys pretend like they hate each other, and then they go out drinking beer afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. So. Yeah, that's fair. My argument to that is, I mean, you could just say nothing technically, and because you, you could, and then you then you don't go one way or the other. But, but a lot of those players were going positive and say it was either saying good things or saying bad things. It's 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 line. cheap. It's cheap points to pick up with with your coach if you come out in support. That's fair. Is it not? Yeah, that's fair. That's well, fair. another line, guys. I mean, you buy a used car. The used car salesman go tell me what's wrong with the car, or what's right with the car, not what's wrong with it. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. Also fair. I agree with that as well. Also fair. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Terry. It, we Terry. appreciate hearing from you, man. That's Terry calling in and joining us here on On the Line. You can as well. 334-321-1390. Always good to hear from the one and only Terry. That was, but the, I go back to this past offseason. It's just like, I mean, if Brian Harson was going to re- be retained as head coach, to me, there's no downside to come out and be like, I support my coach. Especially because then you're like taking a a leadership stance in the program. That's that's good for, for, for the locker room. It's good to keep the locker room together. And then you also I mean you check a box and you score you score points with Brian Harson. Yeah, that's fair. My question is if and when Brian Harson does get let go at Auburn, how will he be perceived from other programs around the country that are looking for a head coach? I mean, will they be looking and making that phone call, or will they wait a little bit? Will they see the Boise State Brian Harson, or will they see the Auburn Brian Harson? I think that's interesting to think about, too. Maybe Colorado. If it's not Colorado, then I think you m- might be waiting for Boise State to open again. Interesting. Interesting. Look, we've got more to talk about. We're going to get into the games coming up this weekend around the SEC and college football. More of On the Line when we come back. Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Starting to look around college football this weekend. It's Thursday, uh, so it's, it's time to start talking a little football and looking around. Uh, the game of college football will spe- uh, specify the SEC as well. We've got a couple of games tonight, my friend, in college football. Virginia Tech, NC State, Utah, Washington State. How about some Thursday night college football? I think that that Utah-Washington State game could find a way to become interesting. I really do because it's on the road in Pullman. Washington State has a weird track record with making – one or two games that they should be outmatched in every year. Uh, very interesting. Utah's what? They're they're coming off. A, did, are they coming off a bye week with after beating uh, beating USC? Yes, they are. So they they beat USC. Where where are they at? Could they potentially be overlooking a Washington State team? Utah's uh, only a seven point favorite tonight. Exactly, which is which is why I find that line interesting, which is why I find that game interesting. Now the other one, NC State doesn't have their their starting quarterback for the rest of the year, and they're a thirteen and a half point favorite, and they should be. Virginia Tech is 
really, 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 really bad. Yeah. And don't forget Louisiana Southern Miss also tonight. So there's three college football games going on tonight. That, that might be the best game of the three. It could be. It could be. Louisiana is favored by two and a half on the road at Southern Miss. So you've got some Thursday night college football if you're looking for, for something. Also, uh, you've got NFL tonight. You've got the... Oh, who is it? The Bucks and the Ravens tonight. So that'll be a pretty good one. Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. That should be a good one. That's two teams that desperately need to win that game. Mm-hmm. Because two teams that desperately need to get right. The Ravens are 4-3, and three, have not looked like a very good offense in recent weeks. The Bucks are 3-4 and four right now. 3-4. and four. And I'm not sure if you saw the uh, reports over the past couple days, but Giselle has given Tom Brady an ultimatum. Really? Walk, walk away from the game now or she's gone for good. See, I thought they were already like fully divorced. They are. They're, well, they're in the process, but 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 I saw that and I was like, ooh, that's just an extra storyline. That man ain't walking. He's not walking away. He already tried to and he lasted like two weeks and he was like, wait a minute. I can't do this. I have to be have to go home and be a dad and a husband. No. He well, went and played football. He's lost in back to back weeks to the Steelers and the Panthers. He might think about it this time. No. I don't think so. There's <laughs> no way. No way. Tom Brady will still play until he physically cannot walk anymore. I I, I am very, very convinced of that. But that'd let's be, that'd be depressing. It would be depressing. But it is what it is. He's one of those guys, man. That's why he's the GOAT. He's just that guy. As, lo- as long as he keeps throwing the ball to Mike Evans, I'm fine. Because you're on your fantasy team? Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's start looking at some of the games around college football on Saturday. Uh, one of the big ones, the big noon kickoff on Fox. Number two, Ohio State on the road at number 13, Penn State. Looking at, uh, of course, tomorrow we'll make our picks in the second hour. Our good buddy Jack Hutton, uh, I assume he's joining us. I haven't talked to him yet, but I'm sure he is going to be here. Uh, we will make picks, obviously, in the second hour tomorrow like we do every Friday. But Ohio State, Penn State. This is a game that over the years has been really, really big. It has big implications in the Big Ten. Of course, Penn State has their one loss. Ohio State undefeated 7-0, the number two team in the country. Uh, They have not, we talked about this the other day, they really haven't been getting a whole lot of noise and attention, believe it or not, just because of what's happening outside of the Big Ten and because the Big Ten is so bad outside of their top two. But Ohio State gets their first big road test, of their first big game of the year on the road at Penn State. They're favored by 15 and a half. Yeah, and that's about right because they have insane weapons. And last week they had 360 yards of offense and scored 54 points. They had their worst offensive game of the year and scored 50. And four, and granted, seven of those is because of a defensive touchdown, but 47 points still. That's insane. Also, do, how many wins does James Franklin have against Ohio State? One. Yeah. <laughs> She, Hold on. She gave a hand Hold signal on. for zero. And, and then, then, I, then I had to think about it. Hold on. It's one. He has it, one. It is one. Yeah. Do, do you know the year by chance? It was 20. Give me a second. It was 20. Oh. This is phenomenal radio right now. 2017? 2016. You were Dang, close. I was close. You were close. It was one of those years. I knew I was in high school still. Now, here's the interesting thing. How many times has James Franklin covered the spread against Ohio State? One in his eight games. One, six times. Really, he is six and two against the spread against Ohio State. Interesting. Okay, including what four, uh, five of the last six. 
This game's in, in it's in Penn State. It's in It's not the Whiteout game though. I it's not. Think. No, they did the Whiteout game against Minnesota last week. Yes, because I think they know that they're going to get hammered. They didn't want to they didn't the want to waste game. it, huh? They didn't want to <laughs> waste it. Fair enough. I respect it. Ohio State Penn State this weekend, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh this has uh, some pretty big implications. I think Ohio State probably handles business. They've got C.J. Stroud, who is uh, the the betting favorite, if not the second best odds to win the Heisman Trophy uh, right now. He is balling out. He's 133 of 190, over 2,000 passing yards, 28 touchdowns uh, through the air. He's He's playing unbelievable. But again, I still can't get over the fact that Ohio State, and I know we're in the South, right? We talk about the SEC, but even on like national shows, Ohio State is still not getting the noise and the buzz that they normally do, and it's got to be because the Big Ten is just the so bad. The Big Ten bad. is down. It's down this year. There are two really good teams. There are two pretty good teams, and that's it. Everything else is just a jumbled mess. I mean... We haven't even talked about the uh, seven-way tie scenario in the Big Ten West. I that, said that to you the other day. Could could which is honestly like not the most outlandish thing ever because I've been saying about that division all year that any team, any team in that division can beat in the bottom can beat any team at the top in the Big Ten West. And there's a scenario where a four and eight Northwestern represents the conference. So that means that there's a scenario where Northwestern wins the Big Ten Championship and cannot play in a bowl game. Has that ever happened? In, in, there's no shot, right? No, there's no shot happened, no. that that's ever happened. That it, a requires, team, it requires losing every one of your non-conference games. Yeah, there's just no shot that's ever happened. <laughs> if somebody can Google that and give us that information, you can call us, tweet us, uh, whatever. Has a team ever won the conference championship game but not played in a bowl game? That's that's there's your question of the day right there. That's it. Has a team ever won their conference championship game but not qualified for a bowl game? Give us a call 334-321-1390. You can tweet at the show at ESPN1067. We'd love to hear that. I mean, that's 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 as good as trivia question as you're ever going to get uh talking about the Big 10. But again, you've got Ohio State Michigan that's pretty much it. I think Ohio State will probably take care of business, uh, but we'll see if Penn State can kind of hold their own on Saturday. Uh, kind of looking at some more games as Carter goes over to answer the phones. You've got inside the SEC, of course, Florida and Georgia. That's a big game going on in the SEC. We talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about it yesterday. Georgia's still the number one team in the country. They're favored by 22 and a half points against Florida in this game, of course, it'll be played in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, it's a big time game this is a big game every single year Florida four and three under first year head coach Billy Napier uh you're you're looking for Florida to compete in this one and I think Georgia is still a beatable team as of right now they have not shown anything to me uh for them to Hutuka have convinced me that they are national championship ready I still think there's one of the best teams in college football but I just don't think that they have proven to me that they are uh unbeatable right now in my opinion Carter did we get an answer so JR called in to uh say that a few years ago Ohio State won the Big Ten but what could not go to a bowl game oh they were ineligible but that to me like that's not, I feel like that's, that's different not, though that's not exactly what what we were looking for we were looking for but he he answered team, the question though he, he did correct. answer the question hundred percent correct but he found he found a loophole yeah he, he found did. a loophole in in that question nice <laughs> but but I'm I'm looking for a team 
that that won the conference championship game, but had a lose had a losing record. Right. Did not get to six wins and could not. Play right. The bowl Didn't game. qualify for a bowl game by amount of wins. There right? are several teams that made bowl games with losing records and lost in their conference championship game, but I have yet to find somebody. Because I'm looking at every losing record team that has made a bowl game. I just don't... There's no way that it's happened. There's no shot. Even outside of the Power Five, even looking at uh, whatever. I mean, there's no way that that has happened. A team that has won their conference championship game, but did not qualify for a bowl game based off their amount of wins. But hey, credit to JR. He found a loophole. Uh, good job, buddy. You, 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 were, you were awesome in high school and college. I guarantee it. You found your way through if you're finding loopholes to questions. <laughs> you did just fine in those. So good job. Uh, technically, he answered the question, so good for him. We appreciate that. But if we can find an answer, uh, the, the answer we were looking for, I just don't think it's happened. And that shows how down the Big Ten is right now and that's why Ohio State and Michigan just aren't really getting uh, the love and getting the noise because it's them and everybody else. The other one that I could see that is another loophole is a team that just moves up from the FCS level wins their conference championship in the initial season you are not eligible to play in a bowl game. I forgot about you're, that. You're actually, actually, you're you're not even eligible to it's play like, in a conference championship game. Yeah, I think isn't it a few years? It's, or is it just the it's one like, year? It's like a couple, maybe. Yeah, I think it may be two because, or three. Because James Madison could win the Sun Belt, or at least it was a conversation earlier this year. Could win the Sun Belt in their first year in the FBS, and they were not eligible to play in their conference championship game. So I wonder if that's happened. Maybe that, that has happened. I know that okay. that, that, that has happened. But so there's two little, loopholes to the question. Well, well, that that's a different that's a different question altogether. The yeah, more, the more I think about yeah, it. Yeah, kind of. But again, looking for if a team has ever won their conference championship game but did not qualify for a bowl game based off their amount of wins. And the reason by again getting to six wins. By getting to six wins. But you don't even have to get to six wins anymore. There's five and seven teams that make bowl games now. Because they have so many bowls that they can't fill them with good enough teams. Well, and then the, and then you had the uh, pandemic season where you had teams with losing records <laughs> that made bowl games. Like you had like a three-win LSU yeah. make, make a bowl game or yeah. something. It's ridiculous. It's what well, the, the reason we're talking about this. If you're just now tuning in, is because <laughs> we're we're supposed to be looking at games going on around the around the country this weekend. But we've got tied up in this conversation that there's a chance in the Big Ten West. It, Easy, Tiger. Easy over there. <laughs> there's a chance in the Big Ten West that there's a seven-way tie in Northwestern would represent the Big Ten in the championship game as a losing team with a losing record. That's how we got on this entire crazy tangent that we're on. Uh, we're asking people if they know the answer to that because we genuinely don't know what it is, but I don't think it's ever happened. But again, as Carter is over there answering the phones again, looking at some more games around the college football season coming up this weekend. I talked about Florida, Georgia. You've got Oregon on the road at Cal after their impressive win last week. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, this is another big game. Again, inside the Big 12, uh, you've got you've got big-time implications of the college football playoff. Oklahoma State on the road at Kansas State. Uh, talking about that, we'll get to that in just a second. What would you find out, brother? JR called back in to let us know that George Southern – actually basically they won they would have won their conference the Sun Belt when they first came up but we're not allowed to play for their conference championship game and I guess they're for a bowl game 
this, so they are one of those instances. And then it happened. I, I I couldn't hear the name of the school that he said, but it happened. I remember when it happened in the NCAA tournament. If you recall, Jacksonville State, yeah, got yeah. into the NCAA tournament. Because the they team lost the conference tournament. Because the team that beat them couldn't mm-hmm. qualify because exactly. it was their first year. Exactly. Yeah, th- that was like this last year or two years ago, right? I mean, that yeah, was recently. Was like, yeah, it was like two years ago maybe. Yeah, uh, that was very recent. So, uh, yeah, interesting question. Again, if you know the answer, we'd love to hear from you. But I, I, I sincerely don't think we have seen a team win a conference championship game with a losing record and like not make – well, we've we've – we have not seen a team win the conference championship with a losing record and make a bowl game like with less than six wins. Correct. I don't think that's ever happened. So have they given a mathematical like percentage of the chances of this seven-way tie happening in well, the Big Ten to, West? It has to go down like super specifically. Like everybody has to every game has to go exactly the same way or exactly a specific way. But the fact that we're and going like, into week point, 9, it's 0.1% or something. But the fact that we're going into week 9 and it's still a possibility, that's ridiculous. That's <laughs> but it's so awesome at the same time. And again, this goes back to our conversation of some of these conferences being lopsided, aka or you know, example the the, the scenario that would have to play out is Northwestern has to lose to Iowa and Ohio State and at that point they would have to be 1 and 8. Then went out against Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois. So that in and of itself is an extremely tough ask. And then you have to have you have to have help from six other teams in the division. But we're we're definitely cheering for this. Like oh this this we are pulling for this harder than anybody. I'm gonna make Steve let me go to Indianapolis if Northwestern makes it to watch them lose by seventy to Ohio State. I'll give you the day off. Uh, how about that? Next week could be could be a hypothetical preview of the Big Ten Championship when oh. Ohio State goes to Northwestern. <laughs> you want to talk about a true road test? Ohio State on the road at Northwestern next week, baby. Oh, you better gosh. watch out. Better watch out for Northwestern, man. Look, this segment has gone off the rails. We have we have just gone it. off completely on a different tangent. But you know what? That's what makes it fun, and that's what makes us come in here every day. We love doing this. So look, we got to get to our final break. We're gonna wrap up this first hour. Be sure you stay tuned for the top of the hour and hour number two. We've got a little giveaway we got to do. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next few minutes before we get out of here in our number one. But be sure you stay tuned. We've got a whole other hour coming up at three o'clock. And like I said, we're going to have a little giveaway at the top of the hour. So be sure that you stay tuned for the start of our number two. Uh, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We've had some good calls. We've also had people trying to answer the question that we pondered for, what, 15 minutes in the last segment. And Terry called back and said he did some heavy research and went all the way back to the 1920s. And he does not think that it has ever happened that a team has won their conference championship game but not made a bowl game based off their amount of wins. So we had a couple people call in about it. We appreciate you fellow uh, listeners doing the research, but I just don't think it's ever happened, Carter. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think it has. And 
The fact hey. that it's possible that Northwestern could be the first to do it should make you proud as an alum, Carter. <laughs> yes, it makes me so proud that <laughs> Northwestern is 1-6 in six yes. and has lost six oh. consecutive games, including a loss to Southern Illinois. That would be the best Locked On Northwestern podcast you had ever done if you got to talk about that. I mean, that well, would be awesome. I already did an episode talking about the the scenario and how it would have to play out because it's so much fun. If it does happen, then, like, yeah, I mean, it's... It would be nuts. It would be awesome. <laughs> that would be so cool. But look, we've got a few more minutes here as we wrap up this first hour. Let's talk about, again, just kind of highlighting some of the games going on this weekend. We'll talk about it more uh, as the show goes on. And, of course, tomorrow we make our picks. While you were answering calls and, and, and listening to our uh, listeners as they did some research, I talked about a little bit um, – I talked about Florida-Georgia and how that's a big game. I talked about Oregon going on the road after their big win last week. I also had uh, Oklahoma State-Kansas State, which, again, another big-time game in the Big 12. Kansas State, of course, fell a little bit short against TCU last week. Without the starting quarterback, which I think dictates dictates how this game goes this weekend. I agree. If Adrian Martinez is there, Adrian Martinez, by the way, a mobile quarterback, um, If he is healthy and ready to play, they may pull that upset. They very well might. If if it's if it's uh, Will Howard, I believe was his name, um, then no, I don't I don't see that happening. And I see Okie State going on the road and getting that win. This is two weeks in a row that my Big Twelve champion Oklahoma State Cowboys have been disrespected in the betting line. They were underdogs last week. They're underdogs again this week. It's ridiculous. Point and a half underdogs they're on, on the road. They're on the road against the I don't the care. Team. I don't care. Oklahoma State is a better team. They're going to win week, this game. Last week, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I think you're being irrational on this. It's a one and a half points. We ain't talking about K-State going on the road to Okie State favored by seven like like Texas was last week. Yeah, that was, that was I don't know what Vegas was on doing that line. But Oklahoma State still is not an underdog. I'm just letting you know. This should be a good one as long as Kansas State starting quarterback plays. But I'm with you on that. If it's if it's the backup, then I expect Oklahoma State to control that game start to finish. But look at what the implications are on this one. Remember, I said last week if Kansas State were to have won against TCU, I think the Big 12 would be held out of the playoff. I don't think that there's as much weight on this one just because TCU is still undefeated and this doing one carries TCU a ton things. Of weight in terms of who plays for the Big 12 championship. Exactly. It, it does. It carries a lot of weight in that aspect. Uh, so that's going to be an exciting game, 2.30 on Fox. There's some good football coming up this weekend. I mean, a lot better I mean, than honestly, last weekend. When, I disagree. I thought last weekend was wildly entertaining with some of the games. I think this weekend's pretty sleepy compared to Wow. Hmm. Have to disagree with you on that one, my friend. Hard, hard <laughs> disagree on my side. Well, that's all right. We're allowed to disagree on a few things. Look, first hour, it flew by. It's in the book. Stay tuned. Giveaway at the top of hour number two when we come back. Live on ESPN 1067, 
Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this beautiful afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird. It is Carter Bird's birthday, so happy birthday, good <laughs> sir. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome, I appreciate man. it. You're welcome. I'm, I'm going to give you your, your shout-out on the air. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't you worry. Hour number one, like I said, officially in the books. Hour number two is now underway. If you missed any of the first hour, it was it was a good one. It was a weird one, and we enjoyed it. So if you did, if you missed any of it, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it all right there. You can get it commercial-free right after the show today, so be sure you go and do that if you missed any of hour number one. We've got a busy hour number two, though. Uh, we're going to be talking Auburn-Arkansas here in this segment. Uh, we also have a giveaway that we're going to do in just a second. And then at 3.30, we're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, as we do every Thursday afternoon. So we are really looking forward to that. And we'd love for you to call in and be a part of the show in this second hour. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show and be on the line but it's giveaway time ladies and gentlemen we've got two tickets to Auburn and Arkansas on Saturday and normally we just do whoever calls first gets them but we're going to change it up a little bit okay we're going to change it up a little bit we're going to do a trivia question all right Mm -hmm. we're going to do a trivia question about the Auburn and Arkansas rivalry the matchup from over the years and so the number is 334-321-1390 when you have the answer give us a call Carter will see if you're right Carter you've got the question two tickets to Auburn and Arkansas I figured that we would let them come on the air and say the answer say that oh yeah yeah we can do that yeah we can do that that sounds good we can do that so two tickets to Auburn Arkansas 11 a.m. on Saturday trivia question is what the question comes from our friends uh jacob hillman and brad law over the auburn sports network they they helped me out with this one but uh who has the most receiving yards against arkansas in auburn history in a single game in a single game so say it again most receiving yards in a single game against arkansas in Auburn history. There you go. There's the question. 334-321-1390. You can call in. And if you want to come on the air and say it, you can. If not, you don't have to. But we've got two tickets to Auburn and Arkansas. If you know the answer, give us a call. And whoever gets it right first, you'll have two tickets to Auburn and Arkansas 11 a.m. on Saturday. If you've missed the announcement, we've been really promoting this heavy because we're excited about it. Tomorrow, to start off the show right at 2 o'clock, we're going to have the New York Times best-selling author, Jeff Perlman, in the studio to talk about his brand new book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. It came out this week. It is a super in-depth book. 
about Bo Jackson uh, during his time at Auburn, playing in the pros for football, baseball, uh, and just everything about him. We are really, really excited. Uh, Perlman sent us two copies of the book. I've got it in hand right now looking at it. It is really, really nice. I'm excited to dive into this book and read it. Uh, I've read some of the of the notes like on the book and kind of online a little bit. Haven't had a chance. We just got it in the mail today. So uh, really looking forward to diving into that. But he is going to join us in studio to start off the show tomorrow, Jeff Perlman. Again, New York Times bestselling author, the the author of The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. He will be in studio with us tomorrow talking about the book, uh, telling us some stories. So we are really, really excited for that. He's stopping by here on his way to a book signing in Auburn on Friday tomorrow. So looking forward to that again. He will be joining us in hour number one of tomorrow's show to start it out. So really looking forward to that as well. Highly recommend you go and pick up the book uh, wherever, wherever you want. So I'm pretty sure bookstores, Amazon, whatever you want to do, you can go and find the book. But as we are waiting on... Uh, callers for the trivia question again repeat it one more time before we get into our uh, our segment here carter who has the most receiving yards in a single game against arkansas in auburn history there you go Whoever gets it right first, you've got two tickets to Auburn and Arkansas on Saturday. So uh, we will await to see if anybody gets that. And if they don't, then we'll just have to give them away another another way. But <laughs> I'm sure somebody will get it before this thing is all said and done. Let's get into it, though. Again, 334-321-139. You can call in be a part of the conversation as well. Looking ahead to this Auburn and Arkansas game because – up to this point, uh, it's been a lot more of the conversation has been around Auburn and Brian Harson and, and players leaving and transferring, right, and declaring for the transfer portal this week. But the conversation needs to start shifting to this matchup against Arkansas because this is a matchup over the years that Auburn has really dominated. I mean, they they lead the series 19 to 11, right? But in the in the past few years, it's really been dominated by Auburn. And especially at home, we've seen uh, some some really good performances from Auburn against Arkansas over the years. Auburn sits at 3 and 4, 1 and 3 in the SEC. I mean, what? They've won 8 of the last 9? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With the so, with the one loss being in a four overtime loss, I believe. Yeah, which 2015. Yeah, that one hurt. That one did hurt. <laughs> that one hurt for sure. And the last time, uh, it was two years ago. It was the COVID year when Arkansas came to Auburn, and it was an absolute downpour. And it was the game where only students can go because that was the COVID season. And so we went to this game, and it was a I mean, it was just pouring rain from like, because students have to get in there two hours before kickoff, right? We stood in the rain the first two hours before kickoff and then stood in the rain the entire time. It was a sloppy mess. We ended up having a blast. Auburn ended up winning the game, but. In 2016, I remember just being, for whatever reason, that Saturday, so dead tired that I didn't realize that I fell asleep before kickoff. And that was a game that I was really worried that Arkansas was going to come into Auburn and win. And I woke up in the fourth quarter and Auburn's up 56-3. to And I'm like, what <laughs> is going on? Yeah, yeah. And so again, Auburn has had really good performances against Arkansas in the past and really just had Arkansas's number uh, for the last few years. But looking at the game this Saturday, Auburn again 3-4, and 1-3 and three in the SEC. Arkansas 4-3, and 1-3 and three in the SEC. Uh, Arkansas, of course, has their win against BYU. Auburn coming off of three straight losses out of the bye week. Um, what... 
what can we expect in your mind, Carter? I mean, from Auburn coming out of the bye week, coming off of all of this news of guys transferring, wanting to transfer, being told to leave, what does Auburn got to do to get themselves out of the bed, off the mat, like you like to say, and get in and try to win this football game against Arkansas? Well, you have to run the football like you did against Ole Miss. This is a bad defense that Arkansas has. I think there is a path for Auburn to put up points similar to what they did in Oxford. But the question for me is, what performance are you going to get out of the defense? Specifically, the defensive line. I think the bye week has has to have been huge for them. Because it had this game been back-to-back with, with the Ole Miss game, this this would have gone really, really south because of the fact that you had five defensive linemen play 89 snaps against Ole Miss. They would have been dead tired this week, but the bye week kind of lets them get their legs back under them. I'd like to see some sort of uh, rotation deeper than five on the defensive line, but, you know, injuries have dictated that to an extent. Uh, and then when you look at some of the players who've left the program, that's... That's helped dictate it as well. I think that uh, if the defensive line and the front seven kind of hold up and and limit Arkansas's running game, we know that Arkansas is going to get theirs on the ground to an extent because they have K.J. Jefferson and they have Rocket Sanders. Rocket Sanders, I believe, is leading the SEC in rushing. I could be wrong there. I think he is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because if he goes for 130 yards uh, on Saturday, he hits 1,000 for the season, which would be uh, you need to find a way to keep him below 1,000 uh, for sure. That would be – if he goes for 130, I would not feel good about the game on Saturday. Uh, what does this Auburn defense – how do they respond coming off the bye week, coming off the off week? Do they have a renewed level of, of, of energy? If they do, Auburn's every bit capable – of winning this fo- this football game. You got to protect the football, you got to run the ball, and you got to stop the run. If Auburn does that, they can win this game. I think one thing that is important to look at for Auburn is in the Ole Miss game, right? They got down early, they came back, and they were able to respond on the road against a very good offensive Ole Miss team. Uh, obviously, the defense didn't play well at all, but you saw a lot of fight out of Auburn and you saw a lot of fight and emotion and grit and just determination for this Auburn team to try to keep themselves in the football game and it honestly to me it was a fight and an energy that we had not really seen this season from Auburn and it was surprising to see for me I would I would counter that with the it's a fight we saw from the offensive side that we haven't seen the defensive side that was as bad of a game as we've seen all season long they got dominated. You, it's 448 yards rushing, the second most allowed ever in Auburn history. It was not a good performance on the defensive side of the ball. And I go back to my my analogy is of there was a leak in the dam, there was a crack in the dam, and it was it was the offense, and the offense couldn't get anything going. And Auburn found a way to to. Plug the hole in, uh, plug the, the the leak, and another one sprouted up over here. And Auburn can't Auburn for whatever reason this year has not been able to plug both both leaks at the same time. And we've we've seen 
the the offense be stagnant a few times. We've seen the defense struggle in a few games. When can Auburn put together a complete 60 minutes? If they do, they're capable of beating anybody on the schedule besides Alabama. I think you're right, and I think that is one thing that that's a big question in my opinion is Auburn when do they eventually put together a full fourth quarter or a full four quarters of football because if they do I'm with you partner I think they could beat everybody except Alabama on their schedule and if they do put together an entire four game game and and performance yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they could yeah four quarter excuse me they could compete with Alabama, I think, because they still do have athletes. And if you play well enough and you play Alabama the correct way this year, they obviously have shown that they're beatable and they're not just a a dominant force that just can't be taken down. Auburn's got to find a way to put together a game plan offensively outside of the first two drives. They've got to put together a plan defensively where they don't get ran on for 500 yards. You know what's interesting to me? Um, Jeremiah Wright played in Oxford and was arguably Auburn's best offensive lineman in that game. He had the second-best run game grade by pro football focus. I think Auburn's had all year. He was getting a ton of push. He seemed to bring bring a, a level of energy to the offensive line that may not have been there, or at least consistently there, all season long. And then the depth chart dropped this week, and he's listed as the third guard. He's the backup. I don't get it. I don't get it. So did add, he not add that earn, to the list. Did he not earn the opportunity to start on Saturday? To me, he absolutely did. But instead, he's the backup to a couple guys who are going to who uh, on paper right now are going to start this game on Saturday. You I mean, you could maybe chalk it up as a matchup issue, maybe. If I mean, if the coaching staff is looking at it and saying, "Okay, well, I I, I know he struggled in pass pro." Because he hasn't been there. He hasn't been having to communicate with the guys, guy to his left and the guy to his right because he hasn't been out on the field. But you're going to need to run the ball against Arkansas. You're going to need that's to the run only, the ball. That's what Auburn can do consistently is run the football. Well, I mean, well they it should. Hasn't, it hasn't been consistent all year. They should be able to do that's that. That's the one thing that, that they have to do with the talent on the field. Correct. With, with Robbie Ashford, with Tank Bigsby, with Jarquez Hunter. Those guys, the strength of those guys is using their legs and running the football. So that needs to be ironed out first, which all the more reason, why is Jeremiah Wright not in the starting lineup, at least on paper right now? And again, this goes to the conversations that we've been having of some of these guys that are not getting the playing time that we think they should be getting when they come in and they have a good performance like that. Why are they not playing more? And I think that's why you're seeing guys want to transfer or redshirt or both or being told to leave because they're questioning why they're not playing because we've seen Brian Harson play the same people every single week and the result hasn't changed. You know what my fear about one of the guys on the portal is Tavares Dawson. Chick Dawson, that's his, his, his nickname. I'm worried he transfers to like Florida or something. And becomes Kadarius Tony. Because when I watched his high school film, that was the first, it was right when Kadarius Tony was dominating at Florida. And I thought, this guy has shades of Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with Landon King, you kind of watch his high school film and you're like, this guy kind of has shades of Kyle Pitts. Granted, he was a three star. Kyle Pitts was 
very highly rated tight end. But I'm fascinated if those guys don't return to Auburn. It would kill me a little bit as an Auburn fan in my soul if they turn out to be just superstars somewhere else. Well, we had a caller yesterday, you know, bring up that conversation talking about outside of a couple of transfers for Auburn, what impacts have they made? But I think that would be like sort of what you're talking about. If these guys that are transferring and the ones that are probably still going to transfer out of Auburn, if they go somewhere else and become a good player, an impactful player, and they become the player that they could have been at Auburn, that will just be the, the, the cherry on top, for lack of a better term, to, to this Brian Harson era and say, look, this guy went to, to Oregon or this guy went to Texas or this guy went to wherever, right? And they go to a different school and they become a superstar or they become a big impact player and they become somebody better than they were at Auburn. Harson may not be here for him to be blamed anymore, but that will just be more to pile on and more building blocks to say, yeah, this just didn't work. I don't know how we missed this yesterday, just kind of talking about this whole transfer portal situation with Auburn football. Did you see, did you see Steve Smith's tweet about it? Mm, like Steve Smith, like Carolina Panthers like, Steve Smith. Okay, no, I didn't. He just tweeted a screenshot of the article and said, Coach Harson should go into the transfer portal and see who wants him. Equal sign, eyeball emoji, nobody. Oh. And added, he added Brian Harson and Auburn football in the tweet, too. Wow. Wow. Well, it's like that tweet you sent me today from um, that tweet that you sent me and Jack today, right? From who was it? You sent a tweet to me today. Uh, today? I I don't recall. Hold on. I'm about to pull it up. I sent you. Hold on. But, but when you've gotten the attention of NFL analysts that are on TV each week, that's not great. Oh, it was Ontario McCaleb. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who, who sent out a tweet and it said, At Coach Harson, you are the worst Auburn football coach of all time. A disgrace to see the state you have put this football program in. That is what Ontario McCaleb tweeted out today. Well, I mean. Yikes. That hurts. You saw Carrion Johnson and Markel Harrell. Or that was yesterday. Mar- he Mar- tweeted it yesterday. Markel Harrell tw- tweeting about it as it was happening. As, as the re- report went out on Auburn Daily a couple nights ago, uh, the one that stuck out to me was Carrion Johnson tweeting poop emoji show. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can put two and two together what that means. Yeah. Well, Carrion Johnson has been one of those former players that has very, he's very, very vocal about Auburn football. Well, he's very vocal and he's very vocal about his support of, uh, his support of Gus Malzahn. Yes. And that's, that's the one thing that has been puzzling to me. I saw Anthony Schwartz tweet about it after, after the Ole Miss game, I think like, oh, like, was it? Are we are we done blaming Bo and Gus? And my response to that is, look, Brian Harson's failure is not evidence that Gus Malzahn should have gotten more time. He lost four plus games for seven straight years. When Gus got fired, it was time for Gus it to go. It was time. There was the, and if nothing else, the biggest criticism we we have seen about Brian Harson. To this point in his tenure, is recruiting that class that Gus would have brought in had he stayed would have been horrendous. It would have been really bad, horrendous, really, really bad. And that's why people were giving Harson a, a a a break, sort of at the at the forefront and at the beginning because of the class that he took over was so bad with where Gus left it off. But 
no progress has really been made. So again, that feeds into everything that's going on. Hey, we got to get to a break. We ran long as usual. We got to get to break. Our first one here in hour number two. Uh, we've got a trivia question. We're giving away two Auburn and Arkansas tickets on Saturday. Carter, hit him with it again. Who has the most receiving yards in a single game against Arkansas in Auburn history? 334-321-1390. If you know the answer, give us a call. We got two tickets for Auburn, Arkansas on Saturday. We'll be right back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We get to the question of the day because we didn't get to it in the first hour. We had uh more we had a different discussion going on and just really didn't get to question of the day we have two questions technically going on right now uh we've got the the giveaway question for two auburn arkansas tickets on saturday we got two of them right here in my hand if you know the answer to uh the trivia question of who has the most receiving yards against arkansas in auburn football history uh you can give us a call 334-321-1390 uh we'd love to give two tickets away to auburn and arkansas if you know the answer um it's an interesting answer it's an interesting question so if you know that give us a call 334-321-1390 but as we further promote uh the the last folk hero the life and myth of bo jackson the book from jeff perlman it is out this week of course jeff perlman is a new york times best-selling author he will be on the show tomorrow to start the friday show he will be joining us live in the studio right at two o'clock talking about this brand new book about bo jackson and so question of the day it's an easy yes or no answer is bo jackson the best athlete of all time and if not then who and if he is Who's, Who's second? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, I think he absolutely is. I mean, he what? He won the ESPN Best Athlete of All Time little bracket when you go back of what? Was that 10 years ago? Yeah, something like that. It was something like that. But he's he has the fastest 40 time ever. And by the way, I think we, we, can, we can ask Jeff Perlin about that story tomorrow because I think that there's some funny anecdotes from that story. Uh, so he is the fastest 40 ever. He's the only player, athlete, to be an all-star in two different sports, in the in MLB and the NFL. Um, he made the Pro Bowl, which make what you will of the Pro Bowl now. These days, it's uh, whatever. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're not getting into that. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's fascinating, and the stories are incredible. He's a track athlete, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go look at his Auburn, I think his Auburn baseball, the write-up, I guess, in the program, it's fascinating. He played 25 games but set a state record for home runs. He stole 90 stolen bases in, in his high school career. Like, it's it's unquestionably Bo Jackson. And the, the craziest part about it, if you watch the the – I forget the exact title, um, but the Bo Jackson the thirty for thirty network ESPN thirty for thirty. It's all natural. I think it's called you don't know Bo. Isn't that what it's called? Something Maybe. like that. You, like it's all natural too. It's not like well, he wasn't pumping drugs or anything. It, like, well, on that, well, I'm saying like he admits in that 
30 for 30. You don't know Bo, the legend of Bo Jackson. That he really did not. He didn't really work out that hard. He didn't really put forth all that crazy effort away from the actual playing, the playing field and the arena of competition to be what he was. Like he's he's not Herschel Walker doing a thousand sit ups, push ups, and and uh, I guess air squats or whatever. I forget what he he had some morning r- routine that was insane. Uh, he's not doing that. In fact, he literally says in that that he hated running. He hated running, and he didn't want to do conditioning, and he cites that in in that thirty for thirty. Like, imagine in the modern day of of athletic performance and training, what Bo Jackson could be, right? And wouldn't that make you so mad as a teammate or a competitor or a quote unquote rival of Bo Jackson if you learned and you could just you knew that he was so much better than you and he didn't even have to try like he didn't have to put in half the work you did because he was just so good not saying he didn't put in the work but he didn't necessarily have to because he was that dude Bo Jackson he's the best athlete of all time there is no doubt about it we got to get to the break we're going to talk to Chris Gordy host of the Locked On SEC podcast when we come back Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in our regular Thursday guest, it's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on this Thursday afternoon. Chris, how are you, man? How was your trip to New York? It was great, man. I'm actually back here in uh, in Houston. I'm at the uh, Minute Maid Park where they uh, are literally having media day right now. The Astros uh, came through where they make every player available. And uh, right now the Phillies are currently doing that same thing. So just talked with uh, Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, a couple of those guys ready to go against the Astros tomorrow night. So I don't know how many people are in baseball mode right now, but it'll be fun. Uh, you know, I think even the most casual fan tunes in to watch the World Series because you know, look, it's a title on the line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think maybe maybe in our uh, neck of the woods, maybe some people uh, kind of tuned out once the Braves got upset by those Phillies. But, yeah, it'll be an exciting World Series to uh, say, say the uh, least. you got a red-hot team in the Phillies. And what, the, the Astros still haven't lost this postseason, right? Yeah, they are uh, going for the clean sweep. Um, you know, we'll see if they can do that. So. <laughs> You know, with possibly winning um, winning these first two in Houston, and then maybe winning uh, two more out in Philadelphia, and maybe call it a call it a clean sweep of the postseason. Yeah, I That'd don't know if it's going to be that easy. Philadelphia is pretty darn strong, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, <clears throat> there's some interesting storylines. That uh, you know, one particular, the uh, Phillies announced that Aaron Nola is going to be the starter uh, in Game huh. One tomorrow night, and Alex Bregman, you know, batting four hole for the Astros. Both of them were college roommates at LSU. And uh, it was kind of interesting just hearing some of the stories they had to tell. So still some SEC ties, even through the World Series. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's right. We well, love look, that. Yeah, we love that. Well, man, look, we really do appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a lot going on. So we'll go ahead and get into some of the news around the SEC. Um, 
Of course, what's going on here in Auburn, I'm sure you know the reports that are coming out about players uh, trying to redshirt, wanting to transfer, being told they just got to leave the team. Uh, What is your takeaway from what's happening in Auburn uh, going into this Arkansas game? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about expected. I mean, you know, this is kind of where we thought we would be at this point in the season. And, you know, when the rumors came out a, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, they weren't going to make a move midseason on Harson and that they're going to wait until they get the athletic director situation settled down. You know, I don't know if there's much to do uh, these next couple of weeks if you're a fan other than, you know, just kind of wait, wait, uh, wait it out and see if maybe Auburn can – pull off some, some upsets against some of these teams down the stretch of the season. I do think this game against Arkansas is winnable for Auburn. They did some good things offensively a couple weeks ago against Ole Miss. You know, I, I kept saying get Tank Bigsby the ball. Uh, I kept saying he needs at least 20-plus carries. Well, behold, they get him 20 carries, and he has, you know, a big day, whatever it was, 178 yards and a couple touchdowns. So thought that was good. thought Robbie Asher did a few, you know, some a few nice things, but ultimately the defense was abysmal, as you guys know, and, you know, all those rushing yards to Ole Miss. But, uh, you know, when I look at this Arkansas team, the biggest weakness is their secondary. So uh, I would expect Ashford to let, let it fly and try to throw it down the field and see if they can and maybe put up some points. And, uh, you know, Arkansas, they, they seemed to get their offense right against BYU a couple weeks ago and had KJ Jefferson back and he looked good. But, you know, let's see if the Auburn defense is up to the task and can make some big, uh, get some big stops and maybe this is a game Auburn can win. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of par for the course, guys. I mean, as soon as, you know, when we went into the season, everybody was saying Brian Arson was already on the hot seat. It's just, it's going to happen. You're going to hear players hit the transfer portal. You're going to hear players mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, they, they may go elsewhere. It's just kind of, uh, this is what happens when you have a coaching situation as tenuous as this one. Chris, coming off a bye week, coming off an off week like Auburn is, and then with kind of this cloud surrounding the program and the news of the week of four guys leaving the program to to transfer elsewhere, what are you expecting from this Auburn team this weekend? Do you think that they're going to come out with like a renewed energy and focus and because they're really playing for their season and in any chance of playing in a bowl game? Or do we start to see maybe a uh, the, the the signs of all of these losses start to to show? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, I, I thought they put up a heck of a fight against Ole Miss. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, they had plenty of opportunities to fold it up and, and, and give up and quit, but they didn't. And so, you know, I, uh, I, I give them credit for that, and, and they fought hard. You know, the, the LSU game, they didn't quit. I mean, it, the Georgia game was, you know, they, they gave it as much as they could for a half, and the second half things got away from them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this, this weekend will be telling, right? I mean, if Arkansas comes out, jumps out to an early lead and runs away, yeah, maybe we can take away from that that Harson's lost the team and they're not listening to him anymore and you know, everybody's quit on him. But I, we haven't seen that yet. It still seems like that they're playing hard and uh, you know they're still listening to him, and so we'll see. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, this Saturday is going to be very telling. But like I said, it is a winnable game for Auburn. We've got Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on On The Line. Chris, a conversation we've been having this week is – Coming into week nine of the SEC season, of course, teams are wrapping up bye weeks and we're looking to the back half of the SEC schedule. If you had to rank in a power ranking, the top five in the SEC right now, we've had different answers all week long. What would be your top five power ranking of the SEC as it stands right now? Oh, man. Um, You know, I put Georgia one. Um, I still think Alabama is really, really good. 
just because of Bryce Young. If they, I'll put it this way. If Alabama did not have Bryce Young, I think this is a four-loss Alabama team this year. Um, you know, they would have had to rely on Jalen Milrow for a couple weeks. But I'll go Georgia one. I probably will still put Alabama number two. I know Tennessee beat them head-to-head. Uh, I think neutral field, you know, that's a game maybe Alabama does still win. If that game had been Tuscaloosa, I think Alabama still wins it. So uh, I'll go Alabama two, Tennessee three. Uh, maybe I'll go LSU four right now. How they played the last two weeks against, uh, you know, against Florida and then against Ole Miss. That was a heck of a second half they had last week against against the Rebels. And you know, number five, I think you know, there's a lot of different teams you could put in there. May, I, I might go Ole Miss still just because they took their first loss of the season last week. Um, I, I don't count out Kentucky, man. I, I think Kentucky's got a real chance to go give Tennessee a game this weekend. Uh, with Will Levis healthy and with Chris Rodriguez, you know, good to go. So uh, that's kind of how I would put it right now. Um, again, you could you could shuffle. I, I could hear some arguments for some other teams, but that's probably where I would have it right now. Chris, with this game taking place this week uh, between Ole Miss and Texas A&M, kind of the state of this Texas A&M program, three and four underdogs at home. If they drop this one, what are we going to be hearing out of College Station this time Monday? Well, you might be hearing some oil and gas people saying, hey, I got, I got a million. Who else has a million? Oh, I got three million. Oh, I got seven million. <laughs> and try to figure out how they pay, get, that, get that buyout going. Nine million a year uh, through 2031. It's a great gig if you can get it. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of Jimbo, though. I mean, even despite some you know rumors out there, oh, they'll – They'll find the money some way, somehow to buy them out. I don't think it'll come to that. I do think what it'll come to, and we'll see how things spiral these next couple of weeks, but I think it's going to come to them coming to Jimbo and saying, we're taking play calling duties away from you. We're going to hire the biggest, freshest offensive mind out there. We don't care if you don't like him. That's who we're hiring. And you're going to oversee the program. You're going to be the head coach. You're going to do the recruiting. You do all that. But most of the day-to-day stuff we're going to take out of your hands. We're going to give it to the coordinators. We're going to give it to whoever. I think that's what A&M, you know, could do uh, and basically call Jimbo's bluff. I go, yeah, we're not paying your buyout, but we're going to take some control away from you, and, and, and we got to change up things how we're doing it. The reality is Jimbo's 1989 playbook just doesn't work in 2022. It, it, it worked for a while there, Florida State, had some great runs with, with uh, Jameis Winston, but since he's come to the SEC, outside of the COVID year where they had such dynamic running backs and they were able to run the ball a ton and, you know, Kellen Mond was a pretty good game manager for them. Um, we're seeing this year this offense does not work, particularly if you have subpar quarterback play. So I think it's high time that they, they move on from Jimbo's playbook. They get somebody in there who knows what they're doing offensively. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Saban years ago when he brought in Lane Kiffin. Everybody was like, oh, my God, this is like oil and water mixing. But it, it was what Nick Saban, you know, acknowledged. Hey, the, the game is changing, and I got to – we got to adapt. We got to go to a more spread offense, more up tempo, high powered uh, vertical passing game, and uh, look at how it's look at how it's helped Alabama since. So I think that's the move for A and M. They're still recruiting very well. Uh, this number one recruiting class, you know, they're playing a lot of these true freshmen. They're getting a lot of experience. So I'm not ready to set off the A bomb in College Station just yet. I think uh, I think this thing can still work, but they got to take some of those play calling duties out of Jimbo's hands and give it to somebody else who's going to bring a more uh, efficient, up-tempo offense. 
as we look ahead to some of the other games around the SEC this weekend with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Carter already mentioned Ole Miss and Texas A&M. You've got, of course, Auburn and Arkansas, Florida and Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, and then the big one, Kentucky and Tennessee. Some of your thoughts and picks for some of these games around the conference this weekend. Yeah, I think Florida-Georgia is interesting just because you know, we thought Georgia looked so good through the first few weeks, and then they kind of messed around with Kent State and Missouri, gave up 22 points to each of them, and then since then we've seen a more dominant Georgia team. Now that's against Auburn and Vanderbilt, I understand. Um, I think Florida can do some things. We saw them offensively against LSU, you know, right out of the gate to Anthony Richardson, hits a 50-yarder to Justin Shorter for a touchdown. Later in the game we saw Richardson on a, like a 70, 80-yard run for a touchdown. So I think Florida can do some things offensively, Georgia only allows, I think they're like number three or number four in the country in, in uh, rushing yards given up per game. So I don't know if I'm Florida, if I even try to, to run the ball a whole lot with my, with my running backs, Montrell Johnson, those guys. But uh, I think you can move the ball on Georgia. They've had some injuries in their secondary recently. And, uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity here for, for Florida to, I would almost say like the goal for Florida should be to score 30 points. If they can get to 30 points, I think they could maybe find themselves in a shootout with Georgia uh, and maybe go toe-to-toe with them because I just don't know what Stetson Bennett and that offense is right now. They run the ball very well, but, you know, first few weeks of the season, Stetson looked unstoppable. And then the, in recent weeks, he's, he's been pretty good, you know, good, okay to pretty good. I wouldn't call it excellent play by any means. So uh, we're going to see. We're going to see, you know, I think Florida should go into this game basically saying we got nothing to lose. Uh, but look at Florida's schedule after this game. They got a real opportunity to maybe run the table and, and finish the season, uh, you know, with four straight wins after this game. So uh, I wouldn't be upset if I lose this game if I'm Florida, but I'm going to go into this game with basically no uh, no expectations to let it all fly, let it all hang out, see if maybe they can't pull off an upset over Georgia. Chris, kind of bringing our attention back to the Auburn-Arkansas game. Arkansas runs the ball more than any team in the country besides the service academies. Last time we saw Auburn's defense out there on the field, they gave up 448 rushing yards to Ole Miss. What do you expect from K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders against Auburn and this this Auburn defense that when they saw Ole Miss, they, they were 89 plays run against them and they only rotated five defensive linemen. What are we expecting from from Arkansas's offense against this Auburn defense? Well, I expect Rocky Sanders is going to run for a bunch of yards. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, last time we saw what Ole Miss did to him, uh, I don't know if it'll be that bad, but no, Rocky Sanders is the leader in the SEC in rushing. He, uh, I think he'll continue to be after this week. I think he's going to get loose and probably run for you know at least 100 yards, if not 150. And KJ Jefferson's sneaky good with his legs, and you know he'll probably run from anywhere from 50 to 60, 70 yards. So. Uh, if I'm Auburn, I mean, again, like that's almost my mantra. I probably sell out, stack the box, and and, and dare them to throw it. And, and look, if, if Arkansas and KJ Jefferson's complete best down the field, so be it. But I, I still, I'm not a big fan of Arkansas's receivers. They've had some moments here and there from, you know, Matt Landers and, and Hazelwood and all these guys, but they're just there's no there's no trail on verse that really scares the heck out of me. So. Again, if I'm Auburn, that's the approach I'm going to take. Try to sell out, try to slow down the run as much as possible. And if they complete a pass over me, so be it. But I think that's what you got to do to try to beat them. And Chris, one more question before we let you get out of here. Who wins the World Series? It starts tomorrow. Astros and Phillies. Who do you got? Yeah, Astros in either four or five. I think this thing goes to Philly. 
on uh, on Monday, and I don't think he comes back to Houston for game six or seven. So I think uh, wow, I think the Astros either get the clean sweep and complete the the fully undefeated postseason, or maybe they lose a game at Philly because it's going to be a tough hostile environment. But Astros need to come out and win win these first two at home. Uh, the, the crazy part about it, Philly won the first game of every one of their series: the wild card series against the Cardinals, the series against the Braves, and the series against the Padres. They won Game One of each of those series. So. It's a big one tomorrow night. Justin Verlander, 0-6 in World Series starts. So he needs to get that, that bug off his shoulder. If the Astros win tomorrow night with Verlander on the mound, I'll be feeling pretty good about a clean sweep. Wow. Are you, are you going to be making the trip to Philly? Yeah, I'm going up there Sunday night. Never been, so I'm going to try having a cheesesteak and uh, – you know, we'll see. I've heard the Philly fans can be rabbits, so I'll try not to get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, maybe don't wear anything Astros colors and, and make sure you stay safe up there in Philadelphia. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He covers the Houston Astros as well, so we like to talk baseball with him a little bit. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, man. Yeah, Locked On SEC is uh, the easiest place to find us. We're on YouTube, and we got the podcast version up there as well. And uh, Great conversation this week with our buddy Chris Marler from uh, – the College Football Intestor Podcast. If you missed that, I encourage you to go check it out. Chris, we appreciate your time, especially you covering media days for the World Series, man. Enjoy the series. We will talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Again, he took time today. He is at Media Days for the World Series there at Minute Maid Park, so we appreciate him taking the time to speak with us about the SEC. we got to get to our final break. Um, nobody's called in about an answer yet, so you know what? First one to call in, you get two tickets. Auburn, Arkansas, 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next few minutes here on ESPN 106.7. Be sure to stay tuned, though, from 4 to 6. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7. We do have a winner of the football ticket, so congratulations to Mark. You are the winner. Carter, tell the world the answer to your oh-so-tough trivia question. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that uh, nobody was going to call in and uh, answer it, uh, but the answer is Willie Gauthier in 1995 when uh, Auburn took on Arkansas in Little Rock at War Memorial Stadium, and he had 222 receiving yards on an Auburn record to this day 17 receptions. That is ridiculous. 222 receiving yards on 17 receptions. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Well, the more you know, right? The more you know. So, look, we got a few more minutes. And again, just want to remind you, if you've missed our announcement, we are super, super excited. We have Jeff Perlman, who will be joining us in studio to start the show tomorrow. It's a busy, busy day tomorrow, folks, because we've got... We've got Jeff Perlman, who will be joining us in the first 30 minutes of the show tomorrow from 2 to 2.30. Then we're going to have Andrew Ellis. He is the uh, reporter for the Arkansas Razorbacks at Arkansas 247 for hogsports.com. So we're having him on the show tomorrow at 2.30 to talk about Auburn and Arkansas. And then, of course, our good buddy Jumpin' Jack Cutton will join us in studio for the second hour uh, making picks for Auburn, Arkansas, and picks for the games around the country. So it'll be a busy one in the studio tomorrow. We're really excited about it. But reminder, 
Alexander, Jeff Perlman, New York Times bestselling author. His brand new book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson, will be joining us in studio tomorrow to talk about the book, writing the book, stories about the book that he learned about Bo Jackson. We are super, super excited. So be sure you tune in 2 o'clock tomorrow at the start of the show right here on ESPN 106.7. We are really, really looking forward to it. I'm excited about it for sure. It's going to be... I mean, this is... This is a significant interview. Like, this is a big deal. He's He did Dan Patrick's show yesterday. He's doing Rich Eisen shows today. He did Good Morning America. I mean, this guy's written a bunch of bestsellers, and he wrote what I can assume, haven't gotten to get into it yet because we just got our books today, is I assume that this is going to be an awesome, well-done book on BoJack. Really looking forward to reading it, looking forward to meeting uh, Mr. Jeff Perlman and talking to him again tomorrow. So, uh, and we're going to be posting clips to social media and stuff, so if you miss it, uh, you could do that. Also, you can find it in the podcast tomorrow after the show, but highly recommend you tune in. Uh, we, we would love for you to join us talking with Jeff Perlman. I think I think this book is going to be really, really good, and it's a hefty book. I mean, again, I'm holding it right here in my hands right now. I mean, there's, there's some pages in this thing. I mean, it's going to take you a little bit to get through this one, and uh, I'm really 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 looking forward to reading this and hearing what uh, some of the back end and some of the stories that Jeff Perlman has to tell us tomorrow but we are just about out of time again tomorrow Jeff Perlman who wrote The Last Full Kiro The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson joining us in studio at 2 o'clock tomorrow then we're going to have Andrew Ellis who writes for 247 covering the Arkansas Razorbacks at 2.30 and then our good buddy Jack Hutton will join us in studio for all of our number 2 tomorrow we've got a lot of college football to talk tomorrow on the Friday edition of On the Line if you missed any of today's show, go and find the podcast, ESPNAU.com. You can find it commercial-free right when we get off the air. Uh, we are just, again, tomorrow's going to be a really good day. Also, tomorrow, we were just talking with Chris Gordy. Tomorrow starts the World Series. We'll have full coverage of that right here on ESPN 106.7. Game 1, Astros, Phillies. That'll be at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, high school sports get going. Again, high school football tomorrow night on Wings 94.3 for Auburn High at 6.30 and on AU 100 at 6.30 for Lee Scott. So, It is a busy, busy time here at Auburn Networks and around the stations. But be sure to join us tomorrow, 2 o'clock, Jeff Perlman in studio talking about the last folk hero, the life and myth of Bo Jackson. We are out of time here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Go and find the podcast. Come back tomorrow. It's going to be a big day. Have a good night. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.